welcome to another episode of the Roach Coach Podcast, the journey to create the new metal canon. My name is Lauren Kozlowski. With me, as always, the Indigo Angel, Jennifer Bloomer. Hello. And the original Roach Rider, Mr. Matt Nas. Keep it rolling, baby. There we go. Today, we're in week three of the incredibly popular People Are Stopping Us in the Street about this theme month. Producer Spotlight on Ross Robinson, his albums he has produced that are not new metal. The kids can't get enough of it. Adults can't give enough of it. It's insane. Grandparents, distant cousins, aunts, uncles love this month. And for good reason. As well, they should. Yes, because this week we are listening to, at the drive-in, their album, Relationship of Command. We can dive all into that shit. Before we do, though, we have got to talk about who's tweeting. Who's tweeting? Who is? So we got an email from Scott Bikowitz. He said, suggestion for the podcast. He said, I saw this band back in October who just released their first album. And man, I could see them being part of your new metal canon. The band is Afterlife and the album is Breaking Point. I consider them part of the new metal resurgence. The album is really good, but it's definitely screaming new metal. And I would recommend it for an episode. I'm sure the guys in the band would be super into it too. Thanks, Scott. Breaking Point. That is a very new metal album title. Breaking Point, fuck yes. It really is. This is from our new album, Breaking Point. <sighs> Here's my cash, bro. We're Breaking Point. Are you ready? You're not. <laughs> One, two, <laughs> three, four. <laughs> Go. And that very pace. <laughs> <laughs> One, two. One, two, three, four. Go. Are you ready? You are not. One, two, three, four, go. <laughs> Sludge. Crunch. Uh, there we go. Uh, we also, we have to talk about, we did an episode way back in the day all about chocolate starfish and hot dog flavored water. Holy shit. Mems. Mm, and uh, we had some feedback on it over on Instagram. C. Dowden 5 said the visual of the great funky Ken in an all-silk leisure suit left me shaken and slightly disturbed. The edging comment threw me over the edge. (laughs) Sweaty face emoji, applause emoji, thumbs up emoji. And then Sheldon commented on that and said, pre-chorus all over the place. (laughs) Did somebody order something funky? Oh, funky Ken. Funky Ken, you've been sitting this month out. Is that the? Are you telling me there's nothing funky about uh, about Blood Brothers? There was nothing funky about them Blood Brothers, baby. They also came to see me at T-Mobile though, and I gave them a discount. Thank God. Are they all on a family plan? They're all on a family plan, but they (laughs) promised to never make another album. Wow. Wow. That sounds like a bargain. Mm. A bargain uh, for all parties. Uh, all right. Over on Twitter, Kelly K Fresh, Fraser, aka the boy Kelly, at K Fresh is a word. Said Broad Talk had me rolling. Several crying, smiley, laughing emoji. Broad Talk was pretty great. Thank you. 
Thanks for engaging in broad talk, everybody. No offense, said motion to make any suspicion of manufactured smooth boys, e.g. this album and Il Nino, a broad talk segment. It's weird laughing out loud in public, but it's a sacrifice I'm willing to make for more broad talk. Wow. Well, thank you. The call is real, Jenny. Will you heed it? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and listen to broad talk. (laughs) (laughs) I remember the general feeling. (laughs) I don't have a lot of space Uh. in my brain. Shmeev says Fred Durst dropping how many times he's seen Fight Club might be the most unnecessary line in the history of lines. We all knew Fred was born and the doc was like, this is a kid that'll watch a lot of Fight Club. And then said, what the hell is Fight Club? That doc, Chuck Palahniuk. Also, yeah, Roland is a fucking jam. And my way, yada yada. This album slaps. That's it. Thank you, Shmeev. Filled with slappers. Filled with slappers. Box Boron came in real hot. He said, seriously, I love you guys, but having listened to all three Limp Biscuit apps, I genuinely can't understand why you and so many Americans dig them. Lyrics, appalling. Fred's flow, a dribble. High-pitched, whiny bullshit. His shouts are like weak piss. See Serge or Corey. Song structure's really dull. And controversially, Wes's riffs, there's no speed or energy except in Break Stuff or maybe Nookie, and they're pretty predictable. So many of their songs sound the same. So enlighten me. What's the big deal? Give me the elevator pitch. Hashtag Roach Rider for Life. And then he also said, the thriller of new metal, please, with three crying laughing emojis. Wow. I mean, my first answer is go and listen to the three episodes that we did <laughs> on Limp Biscuit. If those didn't really communicate why we think they're good. I mean, I, I mean, here's the thing. Fred is certainly a whiny presence. I guess it's like you like it or you don't in that regard. If you're into new metal, but you don't like Limp Biscuit, Jenny, what, what do you have? I'm not pitching this album. <laughs> I'm not pitching, pitching this, this album. album. Oh, no. Aunt Lauren's <laughs> drunk again. <laughs> Aunt Lauren, come on. You you said that you had a lot to say about this. I'm not to anybody. Anything. Aunt Lauren, please put down that spritzer. No. Okay. Just, 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 just. Mm, just. It's Sunday. <laughs> it, yeah. I work hard. Yeah, okay. You know what? Nine, nine. Night night. My special boy. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Aunt Lauren's weird. Uh, yeah, I'll say. No, I don't I don't really have an elevator pitch. I can see I can see why somebody wouldn't be into it, but I like it. Yeah, you don't have to listen to it again. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> We're all okay. <laughs> We're okay. <laughs> That's how we roll here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jenny, we got a comment from Cole. The broad talk tangent. Oh, Jesus. I wasn't ready for that. Jenny Bloomer, you, you, you brilliant queen of nightmares and missing teeth. 
thank you. <laughs> uh, Jeff Kelly says, I know it's not strictly new metal, but I'd love to hear your take on Rod Zombies. Rod Zombies. <laughs> oh, Rod, Z- <laughs> Rod Zombies. Oh, Alex Rodriguez and Rob Zombie got together. and It's really cool. Uh, Rob Zombies Hellbilly Deluxe. Maybe a theme month? Oh, Jeff. You're in a theme month, baby. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to (laughs) die. Definitely a weird uncle, if not a papa. And he's literally a new metal older brother. That is true. Thank you, Jeff. That's true. Yeah. AC said, don't care much for LB, but you can't deny they know how to drop hits. I was going to recommend Zug Island after the Hundo app, but didn't. They have some (laughs) new metal elements. I would say give it a shot. Saw them open for dope back in 2003. I did give Zug Island a shot, and I did not like that shot. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got to say about Zug do Island. You, do, you, do you think that we're going to have to take that shot on Mike? Listen, we're in the thick of a theme month that is beloved the world over. And <laughs> I think, you know, we could just keep doing Ross albums that aren't new metal for months and months on end, and people would not complain about it at all. But I think we just got to dive back into some new metal come April and just... There will be no April yeah. Fool's joke. No. There no, will be friend... no April Fool's joke this year. That's what you guys think. <laughs> we might just say that the months of, month of March was a delightful April Fool's joke. <laughs> Uh, I will not apologize for taking a risk. <laughs> no, I won't either. We played the cards we were dealt. That's right. We danced with the lady we brought. <laughs> that old saying. <laughs> that old saying. We walked the sa- dog we adopted. <laughs> we ate the sandwich we made for ourselves. That is right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Over on Facebook, Jax Lawson said, OMG, as I was listening to this, I just remembered the time I wrote a linguistics paper in college about white rappers using black vernacular English to gain credibility and quoted Fred Durst, complete with two citations, one from this album and one from an episode of TRL. Peak early 2000s college student pseudo-intellectualism. Jax, I feel seen, heard, and felt. I was right there with you. I know mm-hmm. that we n- never intended to travel anywhere, but if we ever, all three of us, end up in Minneapolis, Jax, we got to take you out. <laughs> we got to make this happen. You're just the best. You are. Garrett Fuller said, let it be known. Living it up is the best new metal song of all time. Woo! Here's peak. Early 2000s with Aguilera at the VMAs. Bold statement. Ouch. Ah, hear that, bodies? Living it up. Hear that, bodies? Peak early 2000s. It says, here's peak early 2000s with Aguilera at the VMAs, and Fred just walks up out of the audience, rips the fucking roof off the place, then drops the mic and walks off. Best band ever. I remember this moment, Christina Aguilera performing. Everything seems as it is, as it should be. Then suddenly, it starts turning into Live It Up. Fred comes out of the audience. I didn't know what to make of it. I couldn't make heads or tails of it. Did I love it? Yes. All right. 
Clark says, the main question I have after this episode, what New Metal frontman men, if only, could beat Mr. Loud Rocks in a fight? <laughs> I hate to break this to everybody. You cannot beat Mr. Loud Rocks in a fight. He will melt you before you get your hands clenched into a fist. He's unbeatable. I don't know who could be. Do you think anyone could beat him, Jenny? Mm. by use of sheer physical tactics no <laughs> right but maybe in a game of chance <laughs> in, a, in a mental game or the most dangerous game the most dangerous <laughs> game of all um maybe draymond yeah or maybe Ooh. sully could put like a fucking spell on him although i'm sure that's offensive to like wiccan people mm-hmm I'd say Aaron Lewis with a sniper rifle, you know, from a, 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 dude, anybody with a sniper rifle. But I'm trying to think who's the one guy I know who's a new metal who probably has a gun. If Till was considered to be a new metal person. Till. <laughs> Definitely. Till. Till. Till would. Here's the Till thing. Till would wear Mr. Loud Rocks as a bodysuit while yeah. he just like fucks between a mattress and a box ring or something. Yep. That's it. It's Till. There's your answer. Uh, Austin said old school soldiers blasting out the hot shit that rock shit put in bounce in the mosh pit. Mahatma Gandhi. <laughs> great fucking album lb definitely had a three album streak of the fourth tracks being ass kickers and ass blasters <laughs> stuck a break stuff and full nelson <laughs> oh man you know what when you first start a band and you have your first band meeting and everyone's like what's the goal of this band there should be at least one guy who says i want to make sure that we've got some songs that are ass kickers and ass blasters I'm sure Getty Lee said that at the first Rush meeting. Oh, yeah. They said all blasters. <laughs> <laughs> Neil Peart's like, ah, uh, yeah. And Alex Lifeson was like, duh. Duh. These are ass blasters. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Jenny, Jenny, off the top of your head, what are three ass blasters from Rush? Uh, roll the bones. <laughs> That's a real blaster. Uh, stick it out would be a blaster and subdivisions is a bit of a blaster as well there you go you are (laughs) the hero of our hearts there you you go oh man Uh, maybe today's album will have some ass blasters i hope so yeah we'll see we'll see how blasted well i'm sure something in an ass is about to happen is this going to take a turn? What turn no, is this taking? No, these lyrics are up the road. Oh, yes. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right, I clenched right, gotcha. my butt cheeks <laughs> when that was said. That shows that I'll survive. It was just my biological reaction. Uh, cool. <laughs> well, I'll survive <laughs> the end of time. But uh, Christopher Markle says, I was in seventh grade at a Catholic school when this album came out, and we used the classroom computer to download bear share i don't know what bear share is and pirate this album and toxicity we were all suspended as a result hashtag care uh there was a bear share was like limewire it's just another one of those types got it 
There was a huge divide in my class at the time. You're either a Corn or LB fan. As a Corn diehard, I dismissed LB and their fans as MTV produced sellouts. But much to my own shame, I had this album on repeat on my Sony Discman. Honestly, as a drummer, I've always appreciated how tight the band sounds. And looking back now, LB actually stayed true to new metal, while my idols, Jonathan Davis and Fieldy, kind of sold out later to more DJ sounds and womp womp womp. Uh, I think it's womp womp womp. I don't know. I may have misrepresented yeah. your message. Uh, this Roach Rider is now a Durst fan for life. Wow. Whoa. Whoa. Great work. Changing minds, changing hearts. Yeah. Hashtag wow. never forget bear share. <laughs> well, you did your part, Chris. Christoph. <laughs> I uh, appreciate it. Uh, Mike uh, Hoberlock said, I was totally in the Jenny. I'm too cool for Limp Bizkit mode when this came out and started to shy away from the new as a whole. Fred's persona and delivery were like sandpaper to me back then. Coming back to it, yeah, a lot of his lyrics are cringy, but an older me doesn't take them nearly as seriously as I thought he did back in the day, and that's really let the music come through. Thank you, Mike. Wow. Uh, Kareem says, randomly came across this yesterday. Who knew I'd have a reason to share it with Roach Coach so soon? And let me see if I can pull up this picture here and make it bigger so that I can read it. Uh, I'm not going to be able to read this. All one. right. I, I have it here. Thank you. Um, it is from some sort of gossip site, uh, I believe involving groupies or something. But it says, a Fred Durst is an average Joe, or should I say an average Fred. Nothing too big, but nothing too small. Uh, do I have to read this? Okay. Sorry. Uh, all right. I'm going to read it. He loves to eat pussy, and he loves to get oral in return. He's a little on the kinky side, and he really loves the freaky girls, tries to use the press to get a date, and frequently comes off like a creepy stalker. So that is from apparently some groupie website from Kareem. Thank, Thank you, you, Kareem. Kareem said, just wait till the next time you do Disturbed. I can't wait. Elric says, my scrap list. And this is, I believe, fighting Mr. Loudrox. Here. No, this uh, is this is uh this is from who could uh who which new metal guys can fight. Oh, thank God you remember things he did. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We have got Matt Holt of Nothing Face could wipe the floor with most people. Mark Chavez of Edema almost got his ass kicked by Pepper Keenan on Ozfest, so I don't think he would. Mark Hunter of Chimera depends on how much he smoked beforehand. Uh, Chad Worrell came in and said, I second Mark Hunter. And Lara says, Declaration era Stuck Mojo would fuck everybody up. Stuck Mojo, man. Not to be messed with. Uh, Nick Fenton says, I didn't like Limp Biscuit when they first started getting big. This was the first album of theirs I ended up with. It's an all-time banger. I remember sitting at my computer in the living room with headphones on, the CD on repeat, and me playing Wolfenstein. Yeah. Good times. Ooh. Yeah, Wolfenstein. All right, Nick Jones says for the scrap list, pretty much every female front woman in new metal fucks up Fred Durst. For sure, Otep puts a whooping on him. You don't mess with Otep. You don't do it. She's on the genius list for one. So for she's sure. got moves you don't even see coming. It's true. Um, Chad Worrell says, I wanted to be cool and start hating the biscuit at this time. Then John Otto took me to the Matthews Bridge and I could never deny my love of the biscuit ever again. The breakdown and take a look around still gives me goosebumps every single 
time. That's a winner. That's a winner. And finally, Luis Mercado sent us an article from metalinjection.net. Great site. Stains Aaron Lewis compares Limp Biscuit's Fred Durst to the Dalai Lama. Why and Luis had is this like he's some kind of genius? Whoa. Well, Fred is already on the genius list. Um, so yes. If you have someone in your life that you're like, I can go to for sage advice and it works out, you can call them the Dalai Lama of your life. I think that just if only together. Taproot would have heeded that advice. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. You don't bite the hand that feeds. <laughs> you and there your you boys, have you fucked up. <laughs> That's it for who's tweeting. Keep on tweeting Facebook and Instagram. Send us an email, roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. The album of the week, week three, producer spotlight on Ross Robinson, Relationship of Command by At the Drive-In. Jenny, when did this album come out? This album was released on September 12th, 2000. That's the thick of it. That is the thick of it. Uh, Jenny, history with At The Drive-In. Oh, yeah. I bought this album at Best Buy probably right around the time that it came out. Um, I remember I got this. And I got a Punkarama record. Yeah. Yeah. Fat Rex. Oh, yeah. Because I remember I got... Oh, Punkarama's Epitaph, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, But I got this. I bought this and I bought... uh, Yeah. I remember the... I think Punkarama, most of them are like real cheap. Yes. Because I remember I got this one and I got that. And it was like around 20 bucks because I think that's all I had. Um, I hadn't ever actually listened to At the Drive-In, but uh, I had heard people that I thought liked cool stuff talking about how good At the Drive-In is. So I was like, I'll get that and also join you in being cool. <laughs> I'm like, that's the trajectory I'm going for. Um, so yeah, that I, I bought that and uh, I wound up... Uh, I never had the experience that a lot of my friends had with at the drive-in of just like it being like a totally transformational band for them. I think the closest thing I had to that experience was probably refused. Um, Mm. But I liked this record. I thought it was cool. There's a song on here that was a mixtape staple for me. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I like them. I, I was into like the Mars Volta and, things of that nature so i think they're a group of solid boys lauren how about you well i uh i saw uh at the drive-in open for rage against the machine um in the fall of 1999 before this record had come out uh, i think even before they'd recorded it that is a show i feel like that was uh it was i think the day after thanksgiving at uh, the palace of auburn hills here in michigan it was a very polarizing set they were the open like i think there was an opener after them so they were the the first guys out there they were combative to the audience from moment one they at one point said we dedicate this next song to all the frat boy rapists up front and then started playing a song and jumping around and doing what they do 
Love it. And uh, and so people were throwing, I remember like throwing like cigarette butts at them and they they were just doing their thing. And then uh, I would meet people that were at that show and everyone was like, oh, at the drive-in, they were so terrible. We hated them so much. And uh, I remember a guy telling me, he's like, my, my at the drive-in memory is someone uh, having their CD in the parking lot and whipping the CD like a Frisbee as far as they could across the parking lot until it shattered or something like that. So that was like the vibe of after I saw them the first time. And then um, when they came out with this record, I was like, oh, those guys? Oh, because I, I seriously thought after that I saw them, I'm like, I'm never going to hear from these guys ever again. And then I saw the video on MTV and I was like, oh, these guys are legit. I'm down for this. And uh, this was my freshman year of college. So I put it on the old Christmas list. And ladies and gentlemen, my parents came through. Santa? So, Santa? Was that you? Mom and dad? Yeah. So, yeah. So I got this for Christmas. Uh, and um, this is an album... That, yeah, right away I thought was going to blow the old speakers out of the Saturn. This thing is uh, oh, really that old saying? <laughs> that old saying is going to blow the speakers out of the Saturn. Classic thing. I mean, yeah, and I've followed them through. I've, I've seen Mars Volta live, one of the worst concerts in my life. I did see the reunited Mars Volta, no, Mars, uh, reunited at the drive-in uh, when they did their uh, reunion tour. I guess it would have been last year, year before, um, which I was supposed to go to with one sweet Mitchell and they rescheduled the date and then Mitch said, nah, I'm not feeling this new record. I'm not going to go. Wow. And so I went with some other people. We had an incredible time. And now at the drive-in are once again defunct. They're on hiatus, permanent hiatus. Will they ever get back together again? Probably. Maybe, maybe not. Well, we're doing but, this theme. Yeah, month. it's only oh, a matter of time now. It's only a matter of time now. That, yeah. I Matt always Nas. forget. Oh, that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I just want to say I always forget that you hate Mars Volta. I hate him. I mean, I hate him after that show. Yeah. I mean, I loved them until I went to that show, and now I can't undo that show. That show can't be undone. It makes me laugh when anybody hates a band that much. What happened? <sighs> they just fucked around for three hours or was, something i don't was know that it was the one awful. that was at the state theater you betcha i was at that show yeah i had fun it was so bad i uh, wanted to, i wanted i wanted <laughs> i wanted to die it was so bad they would be they would start playing one of their songs and then they would just dick around and people would vanish for a while and someone would just play like the saxophone for 20 minutes or something it was excruciatingly awful a bad time all around for me. I bought a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we had a different experience that night. <laughs> uh, Matt Nas. Well, if you were a chubby, rotund 1999 era Matt Nas, then there's one thing that you know for certain. This guy likes emo. Mm-hmm. And there was a few bands that were absolutely my guiding light. During that time, one of them, the Get Up Kids, the other band, the Promise Ring. Mm-hmm. I was at a party in uh, college where I said that I liked emo. And one of the guys there was like, well, if you like emo, you should listen to I Have to Drive In. And I was like, I'm in. And uh, 
boy, oh boy, was this not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Because which blows my mind because the Get Up Kids toured with at the drive-in, which in my brain is the most 90s thing ever because I could not think of a more oil and water mixture in my life. At the drive-in is not even close to at the uh, to uh, the Get Up Kids. They are 180 out. Like the anniversary and the Get Up Kids touring together, 100% makes sense. At the drive-in and then another like post-punk band, sure, but not them together. I uh, had Via, and I loved One Arm Scissor, but this band is so confusing to me. This band makes very little sense to me, and we will find out more mm, as we, we go will. along. Yeah, this was definitely in like the lump of bands that, like, if you said you liked emo and you were into stuff like the Anniversary and Get Up Kids, which I was, people would be like. But have you heard Grade? And I was like, no, but I'm going to pretend like I have. And then I'm going to go listen to the record and pretend like it was you something heard I listened to. Apple Seed Cast. <laughs> yeah. You heard Texas is the reason. Um, yeah, I'm like, no, but I'm going to listen to it now and then later in life pretend like I did. <laughs> so I seemed cool. Thank you for the tip. I'm going to use it to make other people feel bad in the future. Uh, Is that the band that I need to make other people feel terrible? You don't think I'm sweet? All right. I got the snap case hoodie. I'm not letting it go. Uh, <laughs> well, it's funny you mentioned that with the emo because I remember when I was in when I was in college and b- before I bought this album, but just the One Iron Scissor video was getting played on MTV and it was getting played at this like music channel they'd play in like the college like cafeteria. And there was this guy and I I, I feel like I'm not messing this up. McCarty, my friend McCarty made me know this, but this guy's, I believe his nickname was Drain. And <laughs> Drain rolled in one day and said, he saw the one arm scissor video going and he went, really cool of MTV to find the place of emo. Didn't think they'd have it in them. And so I had never heard of emo before then. So I thought at the drive-in is what emo sounded like. So then when I heard the Get Up Kids and the Promise Ring and other things that were actual emo, I was like, what is this? This is not what I want. I want more at the drive-in. I don't want this stuff. So I was like completely flipped. Hmm. And then what's the genre tag on this, Jenny? Post-hardcore. That sounds right. Yeah. Jenny, who is in at the drive-in? Oh, boy. Who's in at the drive-in? Wouldn't you like to know? I'll tell you. Cedric Bixler. I don't know why I'm reading this off. Like, <laughs> Here's the usual case. suspects. Yeah. <laughs> Cedric Bixler. Lead vocals, guitar on Rolodex propaganda, melodica. You don't need to know all the shit he did. He did a lot. Jim Ward, guitar, vocals, keyboards. Omar Rodriguez, guitar, backing vocals. Paul Hinojos, and I'm sure I butchered that, but bass. Tony Hellar, I'm probably butchering that too, on drums. There you have it. Yeah, Producer, it. Producer, of course, Ross Robinson. Over 
behind the mixing board. Some think he's a king. Some think he's a curse. That's a saying. (laughs) A king and a curse. (laughs) Oh, a classic king curse scenario. It's Andy Andy Wallace. Wallace. Andy Wallace. Everybody was so upset because he smoothed out their sound, baby. Is he a king? Or is he a curse? (laughs) Andy Wallace did the mixing on this, and I think we just read this quote from Omar. This is the best. What is your least favorite thing about this album? And he said, in a heartbeat, I could tell you. One of my only regrets out of everything I've ever done is the way that record was mixed. People think that was a raw and energetic record, but what they're hearing is nothing compared to what it truly was before it was glossed over and set through the mixing mill that was Andy Wallace, who is a wonderful person and a very talented mixing engineer and has done great albums. I'm not trying to offend him, but I uh, and I understand he had the pressure of the label and all the people who had dreams of it being this grandiose thing and being played on the radio, which it was, but that record is really ruined by the mix i just find it the most passive plastic and then he takes a break it's the one record i still to this day cannot listen to hot stuff critically alternative press four out of five so not quite blood brothers but you know there you go entertainment weekly got an a melody maker four out of five enemy nine out of ten Pitchfork reviewed it twice. First, they gave it a 6.1 in an insane review that they set up like the debate between Bush and Gore in 2000. Okay. And then they re uh, reevaluated it in 2013 and gave it an 8.3 out of 10. The Village Voice gave it an A-. Who's the reviewer at The Village Voice? Is that... Is that... One... Robert, Robert Christgau? Bobby? Bobby? Is that you? Also propane and propane accessories. Oh, no. <laughs> Whoa. That's Hank. That's Hank. <laughs> Bobby? <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I'm here. I'm, here. <laughs> I'm back. You're here for me? Thank I'm here you. for you. I'm back. So Robert Christgau, it's another classic from our boy. This is what he had to say. Whatever are they emoting about? Doesn't much matter. (laughs) In one song, I especially like wordy lowlife vignettes, pimps, polyester, paramedics, defected, excommunicated, subverted, are revved by simultaneous guitar chime and guitar noise that gives way to a sweet refrain of dancing on the corpse's ashes, which is subsumed in turn by a raucous chorus with a wishing well in it. Passion in El Paso is what the, all this comes down to, and fleshed out with comparable sonics and shaped into associatively elongated song forms, that's enough. And a bad time for young guitar bands, including many forgettable ones lumped under the trade name Emo, these ambitious yowlers are reason for hope. For four consecutive CDs, they developed, developed, developed. Not only do they believe, they can back it up. A-. minus. Wow. Wow. So it looks like Drain also went over to Robert Kreisgau's house and said, good job, MTV. I'm putting some emo up. And Robert went, oh, is this emo? Okay. Well, I'm into this. Everything on Vagrant makes no sense to me. Whereas I was like, give me everything that you have, Vagrant Records. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was with you. 
Thank you. You're welcome. I loved the anniversary. <gasps> Separate podcast. Thema. Thema. <laughs> April's just going to be all wow, stuff. Why, why are our download numbers down? <laughs> Oh, there are some drops. <laughs> <laughs> it seems exactly what we covered <laughs> the anniversary record. Oh, yes. All right. Well, we got to do it. We got to listen to this record. Let's do it. So here we go. The first track is called Arc Arsenal. A staple opener for these guys. One of one of the hottest, one of the best, and one of the hottest. The shaker, the build, those breaths and those moans. <laughs> those it's a hot breaths, motherfucking those moans. That breaths and those buttocks. <laughs> all of those things. Sweat that built between our bodies. <laughs> <laughs> that jukebox money. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man, I I love this one a lot, and also really listening to this thing on headphones, really noticing the rumble of the bass on this album mm. and realizing how much of that rumble crunch noise of Fieldy's bass we can owe to Ross Robinson. Because, I mean, this is much cleaner and more typical bass sound than Fieldy's bass, but it has a similar rumble. Also, apparently I have trouble with the word similar. Jenny, <laughs> thoughts on Arc Arsenal? Uh, I liked it a lot. I think that this record, listening to it, had sort of the opposite effect that a lot of records that we revisit have. Like, I like this um, much more, this song, much more as an adult than I did when I was a teen. Hmm. So, I was like, oh, yeah, the, this, I mean, I, I liked this record. I thought it was cool, but it wasn't like holy shit but like going back now and listening to it i'm like oh that's like really yeah this is much more about holy shit later yeah for me at least yeah because at the time i was only interested in songs about feeling great or feeling terrible <laughs> like if it's about another thing i was like eh, i'm only feeling great or terrible so if you try to give me anything that has uh, even like a slight art edge i was like no no, thank you. No, thank you. Same here. This song fucking owns. It's great. 
It's great. It's great. Songmeetings.com. I don't want to blow anybody's minds here, but every single song has a million comments. Eighty-nine for this. It, it has to because his lyrics are obtuse. They're yeah, undecipherable. And because of that, you would think, well, the top voted, upvoted uh, comment on this song is the one that's going to crack it wide open. And that's from C. Bennett. They said, this song is incredible. There you go. Top wow. vote. Actually, I like this one from Exoset, who said, I've read somewhere that this song is about Jeffrey Dahmer. You know, the cannibalistic serial killer. Oh, that Dahmer. <laughs> and uh, I yeah, I like that, you know, that was beautiful. And then uh, Yuga Quanto responded to that and said, Dahmer sounds close enough. It is certainly about gaining control of life's horns and killing, oh, life's thorns and killing them, be it a person or any other object. And what better way to destroy something than to kill it, eat it, and then crap it? Okay. There it is. Thank you. People eat Thank you. shit. There we go. <laughs> True. That's it. All right. Up next, we have a song called Pattern Against User. I'm on board if you start your song off with a real energetic hey and then drop into some hot riffing. I'm there. I'm still on board with Pattern Against User. But they start to show the other cards in their hand in this song. I like this band when they're super energetic and they're going for it. But they have this other thing that they show in a couple of songs from now that I do not like. Uh-oh. Oh. So the seed has been planted, and we will harvest it. <laughs> oh, later. wow. Okay. I feel like we might have our first strong difference of opinion. Mm, I'm interested. Ooh, stay tuned. Ooh, stay to tuned. this theme month everybody, everybody likes so much. <laughs> Love at <laughs> <laughs> Jenny, what did what did you what did you think of Pattern Against User? Um this song doesn't do that much for me. I I like I don't know, this feels like a very middling song. Like it's a good song. It's interesting, it's cool, 
but in terms it, it doesn't like it doesn't really grab me necessarily as opposed to like all the songs that i wrote that have grabbed thousands or millions of people but uh mm-hmm. i i don't know didn't really do that much for me but i wasn't mad to listen to it lauren what do you think um you know i thought this one really showed you know they've got these choruses on lock you know ross's rules on the choruses they're bringing the choruses um this song to me always sounded like i mean you come out with the hot open okay great perfect job but then this one it, it, i don't know i feel like a hunger in this song like they've been building up and, and and now they're just really like track two we're hitting our stride really doing it um comments and song meanings everybody seems to think this song is about drugs and then they proceed to diagram out every single part of the song and and how it all lines up which none of us have any time for but believe me it's there there are 61 comments on this so yeah um but no i'm yeah I'm, i'm thinking you know we're off to the races we're running we're moving it's going great all right up next we've got one armed scissor Is the campaign slithered in jails in the cargo bay? A new turn is the vastness, hollow vacuum, choppy oxygen tanks. They hibernate, but have they kissed the ground? Pucker up and kiss the asphalt now. This amputation splintered larynx It has access now You guys, it's a ripper. Yeah, this is a great song. Holy shit, this is a great song. Ross's rules all day. All day. <laughs> all day. All day, Ross's rules. Jenny, we'll start with you. I love it. <laughs> uh, I think this is a great song. Um, it's super catchy. It's I think it's very balanced, by which I mean it it rocks just enough. Um I I don't know. I just think that this is a really good catchy song. No idea what it's about. Also don't care. Uh yeah, this is a lot more like if I if I were to think of like what I would what I would have considered emo until I found out what people I thought were cooler than me considered emo, this would be very in line with that. This type of this type of stuff. Uh, that's it. <laughs> Those are all my thoughts, Lauren. Perfect. What do you think? Um, this is always a song that made me feel like the speakers in that Saturn were about to blow out, baby. And. Uh, also, in the Pitchfork review, they accuse this album of being brick-walled in the mix. And I have read about other albums that have been accused of being brick-walled. And I just, I don't know if I've just been, I mean, I've been listening to a- Andy Wallace mixed albums my whole life. 
I don't know. This doesn't feel. This doesn't. I don't feel the brick wallness. I don't understand what they're talking about with the with the anti Andy Wallace on this. Andy Wallace fucking mixed roots. Like you can't. I don't know. Like we have talked in the past about Ross's mixes not being great. And Andy Wallace coming in and raising the phoenix from the ashes. Well, I think there might also be a general push against... I mean, we don't know what the original mixes sound like or, you know, Omar's mix or what have you. But it seems to be often a complaint that things are too sweet, that they're wrong, things are pushed to the front. But all I'm hearing, I'm hearing all the things I want to hear. My ear is like, yes, thank you, mm-hmm, perfect. I'm not hearing anything that's making me go, no, you know? And when I listen to a lot of stuff that gets, you know, trumpeted by, uh, like, indie sites like Pitchfork and stuff, which some of it I'm on board with, but a lot of it I hear it and I'm just like, what is this? Like, this feels off. It feels weird. And maybe it's just that I have, like, you know... My Nobody brain. likes that Panda Bear record, Lauren. <sighs> Nobody Dude. does. Listen, if I gotta hear, it was any mixed fucking anim- in a goddamn swimming pool. Listen, these Animal Collective guys have gotta go. All right, <laughs> <laughs> that's all I gotta say. Use your platform for good. <laughs> Thank you. I feel like when you say something's been brick walled, I feel like it's saying it lacks nuance. And I feel like there's plenty of nuance in this mix. There's plenty of nuance in this sound. It's just that it hits it hits hard. And I guess if you don't want to get hit hard, why are you listening to this record? I don't know. That's my vibe. Yeah, I, Jenny? I don't think it hits that hard. I think that this is a pop song. I think that, like, the... I hear the complaint that this sounds too clean. Uh, and that it doesn't sound huge. Like, I, when I, I, and that was, uh, weirdly my problem with it. I think when I was like younger, there were mm. things that I was listening to at the time that felt huge and crunchy. And like, I do, I do see the, where people are coming from with the, the whole, thing of this sounding like a little too clean it sounds a little too clean for me i still think it's great i still think this song is great but when i hear this i hear like a pop rock song i don't hear like a post hardcore song or a song that i would consider like if if somebody were to say like is at the drive-in heavy i would say no not really like they're cool they're fun their songs i think to quote you certainly do rock but is it is it heavy? No. To me, that's that's just like how I feel listening to it. But I feel like I tend to be more like I want to hear screaming and like mm-hmm. all chunk and like just shit all the time. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, there's no chug in this record. Uh, Matt Nas? This song is great. The video is great. The thing that i love most about this song is that the label that they were on which i i cannot recall grand royal grand royal was working to break this band hard hard 
they were almost like I remember to the moment because they broke up not too long after this record was released. Probably within the year of this yep. record being released, they they broke up because they had worked so hard to get this record made. They were touring nonstop. But if you have not seen them perform this on YouTube, on Letterman, oh. or on Conan, you need to put us on pause, go to YouTube, and watch it. Short of the refused being on Late Night, it is the most batshit crazy, wonderful late night performance of all time. They own it. They do. They're so tight and wonderful and it's great. And uh, my understanding is that Letterman told them not to quit their day jobs, which was really disappointing to them. Um, but that wow. just seems like a Letterman thing to say. Like, I, I, What a line. Yeah. You come out, you rip the stage up. Don't quit your day jobs. Wow. Yikes. Just so I'm clear, I would, when I was saying the thing about them being a not heavy band, mm -hmm. I meant like listening to this. Right. I do not mean if you were to actually see them. Like, because I watched uncharacteristically, watched their performance on Letterman. And like, that's insane. So reading what they had to say about how they felt about the mix. It just, I don't think it's a bad mix. And I don't think that's what they're saying. I just think that they're saying that like, this doesn't convey the, the true spirit of I, what we're doing. I also understand what you're saying a little bit more now, knowing the history, right? Like, I mean, we're so far removed from it. We're able to find the documentation. We're able to see them on the big day out festival, call the audience sheep so we're able to kind of see that this band wanted the raw sound because they didn't want to break big per se they didn't want that widespread acceptance they wanted the raw sound so that they could gain more fans for sure but more fans that would understand what they're doing rather than have a very polished record that appealed a little bit more mass to the frat boy rapists in the front row. There you <laughs> go. Rapists in That's the front right. row. Um, there actually is another crazy performance that they did of this song. Uh, they did it on later with Jules Holland in the UK. Mm. And this is a harder video to find. And I only found it because it was linked in an uh, article, which actually doesn't have the complete video. But basically if you're familiar with Jules Holland, Yep. It's basically a um, music show where there are like five or six bands who all play one after another on like a giant circular stage of some kind, if yeah. I'm understanding that right. And so, yeah, so one band will play, they'll finish, and then immediately another band will start right up. At the drive-in or plane, it's 2000, they do a chaotic performance of the song to the point where they're they're not even um, really even singing in their mics anymore. Um, they're just flopping around and going crazy. It's nuts. They finish. The camera pans over 
to Robbie Williams. <laughs> and Robbie Williams makes a face of, oh, um, and it starts singing his song. But for the first 30 seconds, he's like, I'm following that with my song. This seems like a logistical mistake. <laughs> I think he was doing, I, the thing is that you can't find the, the, the exact video, but I believe he was doing Rock DJ or something like that from his <laughs> Sing When You're Winning album. Um, if you're into Robbie Williams, well, here's, here's, here's my dichotomy. In the sp- uh, fall, spring, 2000, 2001, I was into At The Drive-In and also Robbie Williams because I had that CD too. I contain multitudes. I want to say, knowing what this song is about, like you said, Jenny, very hard to know. Songmeanings.com. They gave it their go. They gave it their best. 199 comments. I read them all. That is not true. I read a few. I picked my favorite. It's from The Question Mark. Okay. So all you guys are overthinking this song. Me and my friend earlier found out the true meaning. It's about the journey of a pizza. The campaign is the whole experience. The cargo bay is the oven. Mummified circuitry circuitry is just talking about the oven, etc. Now the one-armed scissor is the pizza cutter, and cut away is like someone yelling, Come on, man, hurry up, cutting the fucking pizza rar. Yep, so there you guys have it. The real meaning of one arm scissor. Enjoy. There you go. And then that was on January 13th, 2006. On December 19th, 2014, Gilbag responded and said, dude, pizza want now. There it is. There it is. is. Pizza want now. All right. Up next, we have Sleepwalk Capsules. I'm still in. I'm still in. Another crusher. Another crusher. It's got the most quotable lines of the album. I think there's like a bunch in here that I just love to sing along with every time I listen to it. Obviously, Pacifier pacifies. Always fun to yell along with that part. Also, dripping with drool from the nerves of the sentence. Great line. And don't sweat the hemorrhaging gland. That's just good advice. Wow. Jenny? Uh, so Sleepwalk Capsules, obviously about like antidepressants or something, right? Oh, we got some theories in the comments, but keep going. Um, I like this song. Again, I, I'm just kind of on board for this album. Anyway, I there wasn't anything about it that like particularly captured me, like specifically, but um, it's a good song. They're still rocking. I'm in. They have not yet done the thing that shakes me loose of At The Drive-In. All right. 
quick theories in the comments. Cloning. Government oversight. Lazarus? High school. Mm -hmm. All of these are very long comments. Well, actually, I'll read the Lazarus one because, Matt, you might be able to crack this one open. hope so. This is from commenter You Eat Poop. They Thank said, this, this might help you as far as Lazarus goes. In the New Testament, one brother of Mary and Martha of Bethany, who, after four days in the tomb, was brought back to life by Jesus. Two, beggar in the parable who lay suffering and neglected at the rich man's gate. After death, the rich man, parching in hell, pleads in vain that Lazarus, now happy in heaven, be permitted to give him a cooling drink. I think it has something to do with hypocrisy. That's a stretch. Oh, you hear that yeet poop? <laughs> the verdict is in. There you have it. All right. Up next, we have Invalid Litter Department. big schism occurs oh this is definitely where the big schism occurs matt naz walk us through it guys i am so on board for the with this band and then he decides to malcolm mclaren my ass and start <laughs> fucking rap talking and i am checked out no like uh well, this was a mixtape staple for me. Really? Wow. Yeah, lucky we were not friends. Uh, I fucking love the chorus. I love the chorus, but the this time the man wakes up and he finds himself in a room without a door. Yeah. Oh, I hate I, that part. I understand that. 
Um, I am more here for the chorus. And then uh, also, I think like the last like two or three minutes of the song, we like get to a completely different section. I'd agree. That's, yep. that's really, I think, great. Um, I love this song. I'm not usually one for like the the style of like speak rap singing right but i don't know there's i i'm not really sure how to like put it there's just something about this song that like i love it makes me feel lots of feelings um none of which i will share with you (laughs) (laughs) Um, no i don't know i just think it's a really cool song it feels very authentic or like the the emotion in it this feels is truly very, yeah like th- uh, the thing i do like about the at the drive-in is they never hide away from who they are like they are one arm scissor and they are also this band and they fully commit to both with the same effort and uncompromising vision like they they never back away from who they are, but they leave me in the dust when they go on that kind of vision questy, uh, you know, like word salad. Yeah, because hmm. he's not saying anything. Well, <laughs> according to songmeanings.com, there is a general consensus that this is about. A series of murders and abusive workers that happened in El Paso. So according to songmeanings.com, this means something. Now, it's interesting. These vocals always, on the verses, always reminded me of Zach De La Roca from Rage Against the Machine. I always got a Rage Against the Machine vibe from it. So this was you know, right in my wheelhouse. I had no problem with that. Interestingly enough, in the Pitchfork review of this album, I believe the first one, they cite these verses as deal breakers. So, wow. there you ha- which is very funny to me that this is, it wasn't until like, yeah, listen, reading these reviews and this listen for the show that I started to think about like parts of the album that were like deal breakers. Because yeah, like I have albums I have that I love that there's like one song where I'm like, it's a skipper. You know, and like without a doubt. But this album was always like a, a straight through. I wasn't, I wasn't skipping anything. So I mean, also that dancing on the corpses ashes part. Oh my gosh, so awesome, Jenny. You gonna play this one at your wedding? Yeah, I'm just gonna make everybody listen to songs that meant something to me when I was a teenager. It's gonna be that's a real what fun it's time. for. That's yeah. what it's for. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Uh. Yeah, this is a song I can see very easily why somebody might not be into it, but just like the the loud, quiet, loud thing, it's all there for me. But it also makes me think, like, how could you say that this isn't, this song isn't accessible to everybody? You know what I mean? Like, this is a, this is a strange Deftones song, you know? Like, this isn't. This was one of the singles. But it's it doesn't feel like a mainstream song until you get to those choruses. The choruses are pretty straight ahead. All right. I might have to back down. You don't have to back down. Uh, no, I'm not going to like the... 
I wake up in the morning and I think to myself, what happened to America? Dancing on the corpse's ashes. I'm Look, never, I'm never gonna be there. I'm gonna call you and leave you a series of voicemails. <laughs> that are gonna be very upsetting to you. I love it. Fucking in. All right. Up next, we've got Mannequin Republic. This has one of my favorite tropes, you guys, where you got a lot of feedback. Like, it sounds like these guys are a mess. They don't have their instruments plugged in, ready to go. Nothing's going right. And then they just lock into a groove and start rocking. That bass is on point. It's on point. I love it. There's a part at 209 when he says, they call it a wasteland, baby. And yeah. I love it. It's just another shout along moment. So another heater from the boys. What'd you think of this one, Jenny? Uh, I liked it a lot and I think it's placed perfectly. I think something that this album does really, really well is sequencing. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. Like you put like invalid letter department pretty, pretty early in the record and it's Mm -hmm. long, you know, it's, it's almost twice the length of any other song that we've heard so far. Um, again, math, maybe not my strong suit, but it's much longer than the other songs. Um, (laughs) and then you follow it with something that's like this, like high energy and just has like a pretty much like straight up punk vibe to me. I liked it a lot. I thought it was like, I thought it was placed really well. I thought it was like a nice change of pace. I was feeling it. Yeah. I think with what you say about sequencing, yeah, this is a very well-sequenced record. And I always think of this record and actually the first Rival Schools album, United by Fate, as another album that is perfectly sequenced. And I think it's a key thing of knowing that you don't put your... You can put a slowish song near the front of the album, but it can't be any sooner than track four. And that's what this album does, and that's what that one does as well. I think that's a key thing. I think if you mess with that formula too much, you can throw people off. If you yeah. throw a slow song too much earlier than that. If you throw all your slow songs at the end too, it's like you're just gonna people just aren't gonna go to it. Yeah, you're just gonna it'd be like, Oh, this is when I turn the album off. Yeah. Yeah, perfectly located, perfectly paced. Songmeanings.com. Only fourteen comments on this one. My favorite from She's My Alcatraz, who said, I'm not going to speculate what the song is about. The post above is a very clever theory. I just want to say that every single time I listen to this song, the same image pops into my head of a beach party where people are playing, playing, playing volleyball, dancing, and doing the hang 10 move on the surfboard. But the whole, 
But the whole beach has been nuked and everyone is all fucked up looking or just bones and stuff. <laughs> just we- bones and stuff. This is the Weird. person who should be directing music videos. <laughs> yeah. I just had to share that. Heh. <laughs> As commenter, she's my Alcatraz. I am upvoting that comment right now. I support that upvote. Indigo there you Angel go. 69. Make it <laughs> make it so. <laughs> All right. Up next, we've got the song Enfilade. Is that Yeah. Let's go with it. Sure. Okay. Hello. Hello, Mother Leopard. I have your cub. You must protect her. But that will be expensive. 10,000 colonuts wrapped in brown paper. Midnight behind the box. I'll be the hyena. You'll see. song <laughs> what a chorus another a plus chorus from the guys here got that buzzing up top makes it feel like the band is just a live wire ready to explode i love it love it i love it i love it jenny um i like it not my favorite song on the album uh so the person speaking up top that's iggy pop yeah that is my understanding. Yes. Yeah. I want to know how that happened. I want to hear that call. I want to hear Ross being like, hey, Iggy Pop, <laughs> you want to come speak something? So I went down the YouTube hole for this record and watched the making of this record that is probably on was on a CD-ROM. It was. That came with this record. Yes, it was. And oh. um, I've never it, seen this. And um, it's about seven minutes long. It's not super long. And Iggy was there. And the way, number one, the way that At The Drive-In talks about Ross is very much like, he's a guru. He's the mentor. He's the one that keeps us on task and going. And then 
I think he, I think Ross did bring Iggy into the mix, probably because they were just like, I don't know, we want it to be like Funhouse or something. Yeah. Where it was like, we want it to be crazy. We want it to be a thing that people reference in the future, you know, like those Stooges records, you know. So I'm sure Ross dropped the dime and got him in the in the building because it definitely when you see him interact with the band, it isn't like they know him personally. <laughs> um, Mr. Pop, thank you for stopping Thank by. you, Mr. Pop. It feels like on this song that they're taking a knee until that chorus. That, that chorus is uh, a fighter, but the lead up is a snooze. Okay, so this is something I was thinking about because um, we've done many albums on this show where we have had a band give us like a real hot beginning, sort of like One Arm Scissor. Gives you that real high beginning, but then it goes into a you know mid tempo slow boy until we get to the chorus again, and we have penalized bands for that in the past, saying what are you guys doing? Matt Nas famously, what do you want the pit to do? But the feeling always with these guys is like, um, I don't know if it's is a trusting hand situation. Just we know they're gonna take us there. We know they're going to deliver on the hook. They're gonna deliver on the chorus. If you've got this part where you're doing a little bit of a, a shimmy shake in the in the pit while you wait for the, the drop to happen, you trust it. You believe in it. You're in good hands. And so I don't mind these like slower parts, this building atmosphere. As I put in my notes, spacey stuff. I don't mind it so much. I guess when I listen to this, compared to some of the stuff that we talk about, like what do you want the pit to do, mm-hmm. this... To me, I don't feel like they care what I do. Like, it doesn't feel like they're trying to. Keep going. Yeah, I know. I just I feel like they're like, we're making this music. I don't I don't get the sense that they are like pandering in any way. There is. I don't think they pander. I think they self-serve. Yeah. Like this is a band in a lot of ways, like that was kind of doing it almost for themselves because when they like you think about the big day out stuff they were on the big day out tour that happened the same tour that limp biscuit had the accident Mm -hmm. and they had a real anti this is gonna make me sound like a fucking hundred thousand year old man moshing attitude but they did like even in their like for a for a band that has unbridled energy in their performance, I don't think they've ever been super big fans of the mosh pit mm-hmm. or the pit as we think about it and as we talk about it for other bands. Like when we talk about, well, I don't know, I'm on a Slipknot kick, but like when we think about a pit that's opened up for any song on Iowa. At the drive-in wants nothing to do with that pit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, they're kind of like, if you just watch us and we're the show for you, we're fine with that. But we definitely don't want guys that will, in one minute, listen to Dave Matthews' band, and the next minute, 
be up front and be the rapists in the front row. They're, I don't think they're interested in that at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, I mean, here's the thing. You're never going to hear Cedric be like, get the fuck up. It's yeah. never going to happen. <laughs> it's yeah. never going to happen. Um, oh, right. <laughs> when I say unleash hell, you unleash hell. Actually, when I saw them, uh, when I saw them the last time, he gives a spe- he gave a speech before one of the songs, and I tried to find it online and I couldn't find it, but I know a bit of it. So when we get to the song, I'll try to recreate it as best I can. Um, I think we're ready for the next one. All right, up next we've got Rolodex Propaganda. <laughs> But again, I would say like just that guitar part is off-putting to a lot of people. I can see that. I can see that. Ross's rules. one this song is one i think of the strongest examples of where i think the mixing took the bite out of the message i I agree with you listening to it now and and seeing what we talked about this one yeah it feels like iggy pop and cedric are going real crazy but they have tamped down the lunacy of the music just a bit so it makes them seem almost a little too animated like they're just like they're going nuts and and they're going at 11 and the rest of the band's at like an eight and it's yeah it's just so it just the song itself is not a pop song but it's produced like a pop song so it has that like gloss to it that i don't think was the intention and and this yeah. this one always this this is the point at the album that I think I always kind of fell off. Really? Um that's not to say that the rest of the album isn't good, but I mm-hmm. just when I was like younger listening to it, uh this would be the point. This song specifically where I was like there's something about bringing Iggy Pop in that feels weird for this band and like I I if Iggy Pop wanted to be on our podcast I wouldn't be like no but I'd also be like why are you here yeah I would there would be a lot of things he would not have a shirt on absolutely is from here oh his squiggly (laughs) skin I have touched with my own hands oh yeah so I I don't know there's just something about like why why are we putting Iggy Pop on this album? What yeah. what purpose does that serve? 
Is it just like we have Iggy Pop? Is there like something more to it? And and if we're gonna have Iggy Pop on this record, then like I don't know. I really think it's because they wanted him. Like Cedric was like, I want to be like Iggy Pop. Well, do you want Iggy Pop on the record? Oh, that would be cool. These guys were on a lot of cocaine. Like, let's not lie to each so, other. So, so your your feeling is that this is the situation of like, um, I really, uh, I, I really love to meet this person. Oh, okay, you can meet them tomorrow. Oh, I didn't mean like tomorrow. <laughs> right. Like, I'd really like to meet Brad Pitt. He seems like a cool actor. He's right outside. No. <laughs> well, like, I love Catherine O'Hara. I think that she's like an all timer. But mm-hmm. do I want Catherine O'Hara to be in my sketch show? Fuck no. Jenny, I have some news for you about your table. Open reading. the door upstairs. <laughs> Wait, I haven't even written a show in like years. Well, there's a table read tomorrow and Catherine's going to be there. She's in between seasons of Shit's Creek, bored and ready to improvise. I just feel, do you know what I mean though? I know like, what you mean. I absolutely know what you mean. Why would you want to work with your quote unquote heroes? Why would the, you want Here's the thing. It's not it's not like it's not like a duet like we see of like Fred and Jonathan, peers working together, people they know each other. Like it it, it makes sense. Iggy pops you up in this album, you're like, um okay. I mean Right. It it doesn't feel wrong, but does it feel right? It's confusing. Yeah. Yeah, it just doesn't it it seems like out of step with the sentiment of the rest of this album to me, and it's entirely possible I'm just missing something, but I'm not seeing what it adds other than being like Iggy Pop was on this album. And that's some sort of credibility to yeah again i go back to like we wanted to make fun house we wanted to make a stooges record we wanted Mm -hmm. to make an all-time touchstone record yeah and that i think i don't think you're wrong i just think that like who was on fun house that like wasn't right yeah like that's why it's a touchstone because it was just so much what they were doing but at the same time it isn't rolodex propaganda featuring iggy pop it's at the drive-in rolodex propaganda true good point Mm -hmm. i don't know but i do stand behind i mean this is the producer spotlight on ross robinson (laughs) right it is Mm -hmm. 1999 correct when this album is producer is it 98 it's early 2000 Okay, it's early 2000, so 99 has already happened, which means Significant Other has already happened, although he didn't produce that. Corn 1, Corn 2 have happened. Corn 3? Corn 3 has happened already? You're, yeah, Follow the Leaders, 98. Oh, Corn, uh, sorry. I'm thinking Corn 3. Oh, you're thinking Corn 3, the actual album Corn 3. No, right. I'm sorry. I'm Wait, like, okay. I was going to say, we have this whole new confusing way we're referring to Corn albums. We've never talked about <laughs> them like this before. Corn 1, <laughs> Corn 2, Corn 3. Does Corn 3, is that a real thing? 
Yes, the album that Ross produced. The, yeah, because there's Follow the Leader, which we've done. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There's Issues, which we've which done. We've done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that would be Corn 4. <laughs> Corn 5 is uh, Invincibles or Untouchables. We are making things so confusing for Jenny right now, but let's keep it going. Yes. Again, <laughs> with the math. <laughs> like, and yeah. Corn 6 is Corn 3? No, Corn 6 is Take a Look in the Mirror. Corn seven is corn three? No, that's see you on the other side. Corn eight is corn three? No, it's untouchable. No, it's untitled. Wait, corn, what? corn corn nine. Corn, corn nine, nine is corn, is corn three. three. Stop it. No more corn math. We had a real corn maze here. I feel like I'm going to go to my first ever protest and I'm just going to be sitting outside of Matt's house with no more corn math. <laughs> Mitch, why, where's your picket sign? We're protesting. I know. That's going to be the thing. This is our wedding now. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't care. Oh, yeah. No, you'd be like, it's fine. I'd be like, no, man, I need you to really understand. <laughs> and until you do, I'm out here every day. Yeah, we're going to have. <laughs> no, we need to talk about Russ Robinson producing this fucking record. <laughs> Yeah, it's the it's the purpose of this month. We're making the wedding about the podcast. I don't want either one of you or any of our listeners to worry. I appreciate that. I appreciate that as well. Um, Ross himself has said, yes, that he in producing this album thanked at the drive-in every day for letting him do this record. That's how much he thought of them as a band. And of this record. Every day he thanked them. Because he saw what they could become. But little did he know that he was dealing with a band that was on the verge of self-destruction. I think that's like kind of a common theme for him, right? I mean, if, if we take a look, he likes bands that are at the launching point mm-hmm. corn 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 the first corn record corn, corn one corn corn <laughs> corn one a band at the launching point significant other no nope. three dollar bill the other significant other <laughs> limp biscuit one oh limp biscuit <laughs> oh limp- no lb1 <laughs> A.K.A. $3 bill, y'all. <laughs> A lot of numbers there. Slipknot 3? S- Slipknot. <laughs> well, no, don't get confused. Slipknot by Slipknot is Slipknot 1. Slipknot Volume 3 is Slipknot 3. Iowa is Slipknot 2. It is, okay, we're off, the, we're off the deep end here. But Okay, no, <laughs> let, let's rein it in Okay, and actually get back to Ross Robinson as a producer. Yes. The theme month. The the theme of this month. Right. Okay. Of this month. This is not when New Metal was dead. No. When did Iowa come out? August 2001. So he's going to go from this record and maybe do another one or two, and then he's going to produce Iowa. With a broken fucking back. So he's in the mix. 
new metal's a thing. Mm-hmm. Why does he choose this band? Does he choose them or do they choose him? Well, they're on Grand Royal. I I mean, I feel like he's the hot guy at this point. He's got a bit more he can be a bit more choosy. And I think, you know, he probably gets sent a bunch of demos. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, what's this relationship with Grand Royal? I mean, a lot of these other ones, these other bands he's done, there's like, you know, they're on his label or there's some sort of like, like, you know, some connection with another band, which is how we justify why he did that Cold album. But like with this one, it's like they're on the Beastie Boys label and they're not new metal. You know, he must have, you know, maybe he sat down with them and he's like, I see some hunger here. I see that passion. You're a band about to launch. I've heard your other stuff. I want to make it. I want to make it. I want to make that shit hotter. That's a thing that I'm sure Ross says all the time. Him and Diddy. I want to make it hotter. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. And I would imagine that somewhere this information exists. But if I had to guess, I think. Ross seems to be the kind of producer who values things without pretense. And I know it might sound weird to say that this is a band without pretense, just like based on their lyrics and things like that. But I do feel like this is a band that just sort of brings their, they're willing to go there. I feel like they bring their their whole selves. They're not doing it for someone else necessarily. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. Just like when I hear them, it makes sense to me. Yeah. And it makes sense to me that they would want to work with someone like Ross, who seems to have a reputation for like working you. And getting it out of you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. I think in all of the things that I've read is that Ross says Ross had said to this band, I'm the guy who's going to be able to squeeze everything out of you. And then they were like, yep, I'm the guy who's going to be able to get at the drive-in on record. Mm -hmm. And that's why they said yes, which is probably why they're upset at the mix that rounded that buffed the corners because they were probably like, we aren't buffed corners. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. There we, we have got it. more songs. Uh, up next, we have Quarantined.
Um, once again, I, I, uh, I'm always surprised by these little theatrical elements on this album. The, you know, person calling for the ransom note, the rain sound effects on this song. Um, cause they only happen really on those two songs. And I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just curious about like why they decided to get, you know, very storyteller on just these two, like, and not make it a bigger thematic thing because i feel like they could have i'm not saying i don't you know need more sound effects and everything like that but it is interesting that it only shows up a couple times this one feels sort of like an at the drive-in power ballad in a lot of ways (laughs) yeah um but i mean it's got a hot drop i think it's a pretty good one it's this their november rain it's got literal rain on it can you here's the thing can you hear this song when that drop happens, can you see yourself walking out into rain and putting your arms out and facing the sky like in Shawshank Redemption? Jenny, we'll start with you. Yes. Matt. Yes. There you have Warren. it. It's, yes. <laughs> it's their November rain. We cracked the code. <laughs> code is cracked. Cracked. Yeah. Um, Jenny, right. thoughts? Jenny, thought- how Do respectful of our time is this album? Oh, it's pretty respectful of our time. Uh, this album comes in at 45 minutes and 31 seconds, which you wouldn't guess based on the amount of fucking time we're taking to talk about it. <laughs> I'll tell you what. <laughs> but it is but respectful I, of our time. I want to mention, um, I talked to good friend of the show over at Discography Discussion, Daniel Terry. He is a hardcore at the drive-in fan and i asked him to write a little bit uh about what he loved about it he sent us uh, a little bit and i trimmed out the part because his big the song that he really loves is the next one we're about to do cosmonaut and he said he said a lot of things he says my favorite moment on the album is on the song cosmonaut at the 225 mark the distortion drops out for a melodic break with bixler singing is it heavier than air and the song picks back up at full speed with such an intensity that Bixler completely loses his shit and starts screaming incoherently. It's truly awesome and essentially created my love of emotional hardcore music in less than a minute. All these years later, this album is still in my regular rotation and has had to be replaced several times due to wearing out the disc. Wow. How wow. about that? And, right. uh, and I will say for Cosmonaut, when I saw... And performed this song live. Cedric started giving a speech. He started talking about when you're a little kid and you're in your room and you look up at the sky and you see and you think about all the things you could be and your parents say you could be this, you could be that, you could be that. And he says, all those things are still possible because everyone here tonight is a cosmonaut. Boom, dropped it. Let's go. Wow. <laughs> Fire and it makes us a savage Let's turn into the live rally 
What's the part? 225. All right, here we go. Jenny, we'll start with you, Cosmonaut. What a piece of shit. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Sing, 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 sing. Shock, 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 shock. Okay. You okay? Baba Booey. Wow, I feel called out, um, which is fair. It's a great song. That's it, Lauren. What do you think? Uh, I wrote in my notes, explosive, a stunner, a crusher, just incredible. I love it. I love it. If it wasn't the third single, it should have been. Yeah, this is surprisingly was not a single. And this thing is just, I mean, yeah, when they, yeah, when he gave his little speech and everyone, people did not know that the speech was the lead up to Cosmonaut. And then he said Cosmonaut and everyone lit up like, it's about to happen. And then they dropped into it. People lost their shit. Can't believe Mitch didn't go to that show. Anyway. Mm. So last week when we listened to the Blood Brothers, we said that that was music trapped in a time. Like that could only be made by quote unquote younglings. (laughs) (laughs) That is a word we said. Younglings. Absolutely. (laughs) Younglings. The 20 somethings. Um, You couldn't have the olds make that again. You have seen at the drive-in in their most recent incarnation. Were they able to recapture some of that magic? What's interesting is having seen them in both forms and that they basically were able to pull it off. It didn't feel... Uh, it didn't feel like a bunch of old guys going through the motions. It it, they they basically did pull it off you know i'm i i mean and i don't even think cedric was necessarily like teetering around the stage or anything like that and sort of like on an old guy who can't keep up anymore uh so i think they still were able to you know pull it off and, and still make it work they were noticeably less confrontational they did not dedicate any songs to the fretboy rapists up front when I saw them the second time. But the thing about this album is that there are a lot of albums from this time period that I got into when I was in college that when I listen to them, all I think about is, oh man, this was college. Oh man, this was 2000. Oh man, you know, I would think. But this is an album I've really never stopped listening to. So in a way, this album feels timeless to me. This feels like an album that has just always carried with me all these years. And so I don't feel like I'm listening to some old thing. And I think part of that may also lend itself to the fact that they broke up afterwards. And so it's, you know, you didn't have other records afterwards to sort of shove this in the past. People, this was it. They don't have a bloated discography. No. 
and so you have since you have this record and it was the last thing in if you if you're devoted to the band like this is the thing you just carry it with you i think that's the same reason why i mean i mean i'm a super fan but death from above 1979 you know that one record to me doesn't feel like 2004 because i kept listening to it in 05 06 07 every subsequent year because it was all i had so it doesn't feel like a dated record either yeah i i can see that but i i guess like for me what this all this doesn't feel like it's stuck in time to me Mm -hmm. but i think this might not make sense because i understand that like this is a performance but it doesn't feel performative and blood brothers feels like performative to me it feels like a lot of show but not a ton of heart uh this feels like this feels like it's more of like an authentic effort at creating something meaningful where blood brothers feels like a lot of like screaming and shaking but for what like who are you doing this for what are you trying to do it feels like more of like a we're young and we're having fun and we're partying and just doing dumb shit and like it's all about this like image that you've created for yourself and it's very much about like a scene like matt was saying last time this is like no we're expressing our relationship to the world and Mm -hmm. that's relatable and that's lasting Mm -hmm. and it's done and that's that is where i feel like this holds up and actually for me i like this more now than i liked it when i was a teenager Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I had the very much inverse uh, right. the other time. But so. it's so weird in a way to have Ross be the producer of this record. And on the other hand, it's completely logical mm-hmm. that he would be the guy behind the boards on this record. Right. Like when I think about his rules of rewriting, these they toured forever mm-hmm. non-stop yeah put out a record go right back on the road get off the road for a little bit of time to record the next record to go right back on the road these songs were already honed before they got into the studio with ross and that 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 goes to rule number one of rewriting Rule number two, the choruses. These songs have hooks. You might not like all the hooks, mm-hmm. but I mean, I might not like the uh, the um, invalid litter department. But boy, oh boy, I remember like dancing on the corpses' ashes. I remember that. It's a memorable hook. The choruses are tight. And there isn't a moment that I doubt Cedric's, Cedric Bixler means anything he says. He means it all. He means it more than I have ever meant nearly anything in my life. He is 100% earnest, even though his lyrics are obtuse and draconian at times, like, like a vault that can't be opened 
but he knows what it means and he means what he's saying. I don't know. It's a weird, it's a weird album with a weird producer that all makes sense. I agree. Believe it or not, we are on the last song. Wow. This song has a title that makes me laugh. And it is Non-Zero Possibility. Let me see those lighters. This is the real motherfucking deal, y'all. Were you going to say that, Jenny, and I cut you off? No, I was not going to say that. What were you going to say? That for a second, I thought that Lauren's voice was actually part of the song that I just somehow never have heard missed. Before. Yeah. <laughs> You'd always miss Cedric going, let me see the lighters. Yeah. I was like, what? what? That's a real non-zero possibility. <laughs> Dancing on the corpses. Jenny, thoughts on... Yes, go ahead. I'm ready. I'm ready. Um, This song is Ross and a half to me. Oh, yeah. This is, I think, exactly why he wanted to do this record. If you think about, like, he loves The Cure, right? You think about some of the artists he works with now. Uh, Soko, who we decided not to do because of the... (laughs) inevitable pitchforks like i think ross really likes working with artists who will go a bit of like a softer route as well like i think that this band has the like a a good spectrum and variety of moods that they're going to go to. Like when I heard this, I was like, Oh yeah, this feels like a total Ross. And I know that might seem like counterintuitive because a lot of what he does is like heavy and throwing plants and yelling at people. But I think that what he's trying to get at is like, give me a genuine display of your emotion. Give me a genuine like reflection of like your moodiness. I think he likes moody boys. Oh yeah. This is a very moody boy. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of surprising that this isn't like a ten minute jam out, which is very much his vibe. 
just leave it all on the tape. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I hit record already. Just, just let it all out. Just go in. Just go in. Never stop going in. <laughs> <laughs> Never stop going in. Never go out. Hey, bro. That's how I have a baby, bro. <laughs> Never stop oh, going yeah. in. Never stop going in. And my wife hates that joke. <laughs> Is that a common... Is that a real no, joke? No, I never make that joke. I've never made that joke before in my life. I didn't know. I didn't we weren't know. sure. I, I'm not that guy. I would not do we, that. We don't know what. We don't know what type of jokes you got with your wife. I do not have that type of joke with my wife. It didn't seem like that would be no, the kind of joke. I already feel like could we cut it from the show? <laughs> I'm putting it at the front of the app. It's not going to make any sense. Hang loose, blood. <laughs> Um, I did pull up the set list for when At the Drive-In played uh, Detroit in uh, March of 2017, just to see how much from this album they played. Uh, they did 13 songs, nine of which were from this album. They opened with Arc Arsenal, right into Pattern Against User, so keeping those two together. Uh, they closed with One Arm Scissor. That was their encore. And... It appears the only songs they did not do from the album are Rolodex Propaganda and Non-Zero Possibility. Mm. So they did do Invalid <laughs> Litter Department. Dancing there you have it. Corpses Ashes. It was Dancing. a single. Had to. There you go. There you go. There we have it. That's the album. I think we did great. I think we did a really good yeah, job. Yeah, how'd we do? It's a quick retro. Yeah, yeah, Matt, how'd we do? I think we did really good on this one. I have to be honest. Uh huh. This month sounded like a great idea in theory. <laughs> in practice, I felt a little rusty the previous two. Uh-huh. Uh But this one felt fun. And I was like, <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> okay. To, to ham fist more Ross into it. Would you say that this is one of his better produced albums, one of his middling produced albums, or one of his uh, forget about it albums? I think this is a classic record. I think this is showing Ross like this is like like oh I want Ross because he did Relationship of Command. He I pulled totally a band. Totally agree. He pulled I it all totally out of him. Agree. And it's a crusher. I think it's an essential listen. And I think it's one of, I'd say, if we're going to rank Ross albums that he's produced, I'd put it up near the top, if not the top. Oh, shit. What would you put at the top? If not this, then maybe <laughs> Sepulchre Roots. Um, I don't know. It's a tough one. But this one's, I mean,. I would say for like my normal life of what I've listened to the most, this is probably the top for me. Hmm. What do you think, Jenny? I think that it sort of depends on like what good production means to you. When Mm -hmm. I think of good production, I think of something similar to when I think of like there's a director that has done really well. And I think Mm -hmm. that people who direct very well are able to tell the stories and like refine the stories of the people who've created them. And mm-hmm. so in that spirit, I think that this is like 
probably an all-timer because I feel like you can see the influence of what we've determined to be Ross's rules, but never at the expense of what at the drive-in is doing as a band. He didn't try to make them something else. He tried to let them be the fullest version of themselves. Yeah. 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 And I think that that's something that I often see with Ross records. When I feel like he's not like like the vanilla ice shit, I'm like, okay. I think he mm-hmm. was just like, thank you for this like truckload of cash. <laughs> and that's understandable. But yeah, what that's I think why I like I I have put this on Ross. <laughs> I think that's what I hear when I'm listening to the, the things that he does. But I think that's why I like it so much and that's yeah. I think something that I like about this record so much. Uh, I pulled up Ross's uh, production discography real quick, and I am incorrect. This is actually would be my number two. Uh, number one, of course, would be uh, All Is Not Well by Tara Satana, obviously. And then this <laughs> album. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. Boy, oh boy. You loved that Tara Santana. Let me tell you, that album is Tura so... Tara Santana, smooth. <laughs> You know what that that's uh you know that that's a great album and one of our best episodes that I listen to all the time. Wow. Nonstop on repeat. All the time. Yeah. There you have it you guys. Week 3 of our all-timer Producer. theme month, Producer, <laughs> Producer Spotlight, Spotlight. <laughs> Ross Robinson. Maybe the only Producer Spotlight that we ever do. I don't know. This has been a real <laughs> runaway train in terms of popularity. <laughs> I can't leave my house without being photographed. That's, That's true. all I'm saying. And, you know, you can't hear my voice in the photograph, so I don't know what's going on. But <laughs> This is very all true. All I know is I think we've enjoyed it. I think we're doing just fine. I think we're doing great. check with everybody. I'm doing great. I think we're doing all right. We're doing all right. We just got one more. <laughs> and then we can go back to listening to Lollipop Lust Kill. <laughs> shit Weasel. Yep. Oh, Shit Weasel. Can't wait. Can't wait. Rippers. All around. Back. Yep. Dreads. I haven't activated a pit in a while, though. I am kind of jonesing. All right. <laughs> We're going to get back to some pit activators soon. Thank you so much for listening. Keep on saying hello, <laughs> letting us know how much you love this month on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Send us an email telling us how much you love this month at roachcoachpodcast at gmail.com. Listen to every episode of Roach Coach at roachcoach.com. Until next time, Jenny, thank you. Lauren, thank you. Matt, thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. You're the best. And Trevini should like it was a walkie-talkie that knocked the pins down as her shoes gripped the dirt floor in the silhouette of dying. <laughs>